in search of the why. The most often quoted of all of Nietzsche's remarks, indeed one of the most quoted sentences of all in recent times, is his statement that one who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. If life has a meaning, if our own life has a purpose, if there's a task we have yet to fulfill, then something within us gives us the strength to survive suffering and sorrow. The call of the future helps us get through the pain of the present and the trauma of the past. Ironically, it was Nietzsche himself who saw more clear-sightedly than anyone else that loss of faith in God would result in the death of meaning. This is what he has his madman say as he is announcing the death of God. What did we do when we unchained the earth from its sun? Whither is it moving now? Whither are we moving now? Away from all suns? Are we not perpetually falling backward, sideward, forward in all directions? Is there any up or down left? Are we not straying as through an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is it not more and more night coming on? all the time. Infinite nothing. Empty space. A world without God is, in an ultimate sense, a universe without a why. It may have beauty, grandeur, scale and scope, but not meaning. Almost precisely, the opposite insight occurred more than 200 years earlier to one of the most brilliant mathematicians of the 17th century, Blaise Pascal, who wrote as, in, as if in anticipation of Nietzsche, the eternal silence of these infinite spaces terrifies me. During the night of the 23rd of November, 1654, Pascal, then aged 31, had a life-changing religious experience, which he described in the following note. Fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and the scholars. He ended by quoting Psalm 119, verse 6, I will not forget your word. Amen. He sewed this note into his coat, kept it with him always, and dedicated the rest of his life to exploring religious faith. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is the God who speaks, who calls, who listens. The infinite spaces are not silent. Beneath and beyond them is the still small voice of God and it is this that gives meaning to history and to our individual lives. As the historian J.H. Plum wrote, the concept that within the history of mankind itself a process was at work which would mould his future seems to have found its first expression among the Jews. For the Jews, said Plum, the past became more than the collection of tales. It became an intimate part of destiny and an interpretation of the future more certain, more absolute, more comprehensive than any divination either by the stars or the oracles could ever be. In other words, Jews were the first to find meaning in history. They discovered the why. And that is why they were able to bear almost any how. Judaism 
is the oldest, deepest expression of humanity as the meaning-seeking and the meaning-finding animal. These are, relatively speaking, modern thoughts. Yet they lie at the heart of Parshas Buchukotai if we follow the interpretation of Maimonides. Buchukotai begins with the blessings that will ensue if the Israelites are faithful to their mission and covenant with God. Then come the curses that will follow disobedience. And they're long, terrifying and relentless even if the end, as they do, with a note of consolation. Yet despite all this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them or abhor them, so as destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But the question is, how should we interpret the blessing and the curse? The key word of the curses is carry. The word appears here seven times, and nowhere else in the entire Tanakh. The basic principle is clear. If you act towards me with carry, says God, I will act towards you with carry. But what the word means is not clear. The various translations include rebelliousness, obstinacy, indifference, hard-heartedness, and reluctance. Maimonides, however, relates it to the word mikre, meaning by chance. He interprets the overall message as if you behave as if history were mere chance and not divine providence, then, says God, I will leave you to chance. The result will be that Israel, a small nation set in a highly hostile neighborhood then and now, will eventually be defeated, devastated, and come close to destruction. Now, this is a remarkable reading, and it points toward a distinction that we sometimes forget between divine punishment on the one hand and the withdrawal of divine providence on the other, what the Torah calls the hiding of the face of God. When God punishes, he punishes the guilty, but when God hides his face, even the innocent may suffer. God hides his face from man when man hides his face from God. That is how Maimonides understands the parsha, and it is strikingly similar to Nietzsche's claim that God is dead. When God is eclipsed, all that remains is infinite nothing, an empty space. What dies is not God, but man, man the meaning-seeking animal. In his place, as Nietzsche knew, comes man the power-seeking animal. And from there, it is a short step to nihilism and barbarism. To be a Jew is to have faith that our individual lives and our collective history have meaning. God is there even if we can't feel him. He hears us even when we don't hear him. That's the blessing. That gave our people the courage to survive some of the worst blows ever to befall a people. It was it's what gives us as individuals the strength to come through the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Lose that faith and we lose that strength. We're left to chance. That's the curse. Chance is not kind, but blind. The curse isn't a punishment, but it is a consequence. Hence the life-changing idea. Search for meaning and you will discover strength. Life is not mikra, mere chance. 
It's a story of which you are a part, a question to which you are the answer, a call directed to the smartphone of your soul. That is our people's collective destiny, within which each of us has a specific and individual purpose. Find it, and your why will carry you through almost any how. Or as Jordan Peterson puts it, meaning is the way, the path of life more abundant, the place you live when you are guided by love and speaking truth, and when nothing you want or could possibly want takes precedence over precisely that. Hence his rule number seven, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. For everything there is a meaning. It doesn't always say this is why such and such happened. Sometimes it says given that such and such happened, this is what you must do. But once we find the why, even a curse can be turned into a blessing. Without the why, even a blessing can become a curse. So search for the why and the rest will follow. Strength, fulfillment and peace. Shabbat Shalom.